Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. Welcome to the chat, and I am delighted to have my longtime friend, David Dukes, with me today. David, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. We go back a long time. You know, I don't one or two David, years, yeah, at one least. Or two. David, and David, we're going to talk about uh, his life, the ministries involved in, how God led him in that direction, and uh, I'm excited to, part of the story, I know part of it I don't know, but actually, our, my early memories of you was at Tennessee Tech, we were students simultaneously together. In fact, we were in the same fraternity. Yes, we were. A service fraternity, my dad. Alpha Phi Omega. APO. I didn't even know the Greek alphabet until I got to tech. <laughs> I didn't know they had a different one. I thought it was ABC like everything else. I was the same way. <laughs> and we were sitting around. We talked about this a few minutes ago. I don't know if we were at the fraternity house or exactly where we were, but there were five or six of us, and we were talking about what we were going to do uh, when we graduated uh, with our lives, where we're, where we're, and none of us had a clue. I mean, we I mean, we really right, we had right. we kind of danced around it a little bit, and all, but you were very direct and very I mean certain. You said I'm going to be a police officer. You knew that already, absolutely. And and you were and you became that and worked for the the city of Cleveland Police Department for how long? Thirty nine years and eight months. Thirty nine years and eight months. Two hours and sixteen minutes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I did have it on my watch when I was retiring. Oh, so, did you really? Yeah. Had a countdown. And when did you start? What year? Nineteen seventy six. Seventy six. And thirty nine years later, you stepped down, and and that's what you did for your entire working life. Career one, yes. Career one, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk about what's what's happened since then. You know. I got, I'm just I just want to park here for just a second in light of all that's going on with defund the police and you know all of that all that kind of thing the mistreatment of, of and the vast majority of police officers are good people working hard to do a good job exactly I mean I, I believe that I'm not saying that just because I'm talking to you I'm saying it because it is the absolute truth uh, there's some bad apples in, in every apple barrel and absolutely in ministry and radio and whatever but most of them are good Um Talk about your career now as you look back on serving a community. I mean, there had to be some moments where you thought, what in the world am I doing? What was I thinking about? <laughs> uh, am I going to live through this? Uh, you know, how, talk about that a little bit, David. You know, um, <clears throat> and, and people don't understand Cookville sees the exact same things New York City or Los Angeles sees. It just sees fewer of them. But a Cookville police officer deals with the exact same situations that any officer in the in the U.S. deals with. Um, you know, back in the day, we had you know we had people that had alcohol problems, and but in Cookville, if there was a drug problem, it might have been people smoking marijuana. You know, that was that was the worst thing we dealt with, and marijuana users were certainly not known for their proclivity to fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're Maybe pretty they're pretty good. Yeah, right, they're right. pretty laid back guys. Yeah. The officers today are really facing a totally different environment with the drugs like meth that cause people to be hyper paranoid and and very violent uh and they feel no pain. So all the things we used to do when Dwight Henry got drunk to make you get in the police car. Not that I ever got drunk. Not that you ever did. <laughs> was, was pain compliance. Yeah. You know, I'd make your arm hurt a little bit and you'd get in the car for yeah. me. If you don't feel pain, wow. th- then you have, no, you have no tool. And those officers today are, are facing that. A very, very different type criminal than we used to face. You know, I remember a few years ago, David, I, I uh, was a student in the Cookville uh, Police Academy. Right. It's right. for for citizens to learn about 
what the police department does and how they do it. And one of the things we got to do is ride on a shift with an officer. <laughs> and on purpose, I picked Saturday from from like 10 o'clock until 4 o'clock in the morning. Right. Because I figured if there's any activity, that probably the most like. I'm telling you, David, here's the truth. It was like. It was like a TV show. I mean, one thing to the, I mean, one, th- and I've lived in this town since I was 1973, and we were going to a woman who would just walk in the streets on something that lost her dog to a motel where they were dealing drugs down on the street. I mean, it was boom, 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 boom. And I thought, I've lived in this town all these years. I had no idea where some of these places were and what went on a lot. You, you're right. We, they, they, we see, we may not see as much of it, but there was a lot of, it, it, it just opened my eyes up to a, uh, to a lot of things. Things that happen right here in Cookville, Tennessee, that most of us, unless we're plugged into the drug culture, we don't know about. The Cookville of Midnight Shift yeah. <laughs> is a totally different city yeah. than, than what people see during the day. Um, my son is a police officer now, and uh, he just got promoted to sergeant this past Monday. Yeah. And his first day in uniform on the job, after he'd gone through all the training and the academy and all these things, and he's out on his own, and he calls me at the end of his shift. And he said, Dad, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, you know all the stories that you used to tell me. He said, I figured you were, I mean, they were mainly true, but you were kind of adding some stuff in there. Speaking speaking evangelistically. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He said, uh, they were all true, weren't they? (laughs) I, I said, why would you ask? I said, yeah, but why do you ask? He said, I had to pull a naked lady out from under a pickup truck in a in a motel parking lot today. <laughs> His first day on the job. Yeah. Wow. So so things happen that the normal citizen don't realize. What what people need to know about police is there's a theory, and I think uh, uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Grossman came up with it called a sheepdog. Sheepdog, wolves, and sheep. Yeah. And that describes the three type people in the world. And the wolves are sheep and they're sheepdogs. The sheep walk around with their heads down, hoping that they don't get attacked and just minding their own business, trying to be peaceful. The wolf is, is absolutely dedicated to killing the sheep and harming the sheep. The sheepdog is just as dedicated in protecting the sheep. That's what that sheepdog lives to do is protect the sheep. Yeah. At a certain point, now good police officers are sheepdogs. Yeah. At a certain point, the sheep looks up and realizes that that sheepdog has teeth and is capable of violence and looks kind of like a wolf. And all of a sudden, the sheep now will turn against the sheepdog because of that. Wow. And that's what we're seeing in today's society is we have a segment that are looking at us and saying, wait a minute, they look a lot like wolves. Wow. When their heart is to protect the sheep. And that's the thing, the heart. Yes. That's the thing, the heart. And speaking of the heart, uh, I want to, uh, as we continue this conversation, uh, something happened in your heart, you know, uh, <laughs> and that. Uh, yes, it did. I don't know if it's while you're on the police force or, or even after the fact and led you uh, in a in a total direction of life. Uh, Jesus came into your heart and absolutely and you started to, to take on another life and another ministry. I look forward to talking about that. Yeah. David Dukes is with me today. And uh, as I said at the top of the show, a longtime friend 
former fraternity brother, still a fraternity brother. Absolutely. And more importantly, a Christian brother. And you're going to enjoy hearing more and more of his story. We're so happy to have you with us today on the chat. And we'll be back with more in just a moment. Glad you're with us today on the chat. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. My guest today, my longtime friend, David Dukes, we just learned about 39 years, eight months, two hours, 16 <laughs> minutes of his career on the Cookville, with the Cookville Police Department. I want, I want to talk about your spiritual journey a little bit. Uh, that begins, obviously, for anyone when they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Right. How did that happen to you? Talk about that. 1965, I was in a revival, and... Now, were you, know, you preaching the revival? No, <laughs> it's 65. I was just, okay. I was there as a child. Okay. And, you know, I had for a long time, we went to church. My my mom and dad. So you were raised in that environment. Raised in a good Christian home, in church every Sunday. And and I came to Christ in 1965 during how, a revival. How old were you? Ten. Ten years old. Okay. And And it was a legitimate conversion. My heart changed. You and I met in college, and about college, David yeah. took David took a turn, and it started out. I had to work on Sundays. I'd go home in that to Nashville, and I work every every weekend, you know, trying to get money to stay sure, in college. Come back, and, yeah. And uh, so church became uh, a non priority in my life. And the more it went on, then I got a job as a as a police officer, working weekends working nights, working, and there was a million excuses not to go to church, and I took every one of them. I mean, standing up, looking square in the eye, and I chose not to go. And it's not about attendance, okay? I I want to clarify that. But the more more I did not attend, the further from Christ I I became. Sure. And I was born again. Yes, I was. And I don't doubt that at all. I was born again, heaven-bound, however— I had absolutely no witness, and I didn't have joy either. And I guess my theory is this. We all have a sin of choice. Ooh, yeah. Some, some it's um, drugs. Yeah. Some, you know, so we all have a sin of choice. The thing is about you and I, Dwight, is that the, the worst sin in the world is the one you and I don't commit. Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> you know, somebody else. You and I can point, but we hate people to sin differently than we sin. Yeah. Well, my sin of choice was women, adultery. Yeah. And uh, it affected marriages. It affected my children. Um, And there came a point to where God got tired of it. And God smacked me in the head hard and knocked me to my knees. And I worked to repair my marriage. I tried, I tried, and and. Nothing was working. And one night I gave up. I literally got on my knees crying and just said, do whatever you want to do. Fix my marriage. Kill me. I don't care. Just you take surrender. You take total, absolute surrender. Yeah. The next morning, things started changing. Wow. The next morning, I sent uh, my wife who had left me. Um. A Bible verse, because I had started, I went back to church so the church could fix my marriage. And it took one sermon. And I went to Stephen Street. I went, and Brother Jimmy was the Jimmy pastor. Arms. I was up Love in the balcony, guy. you know, with my hand over my eyes. Yeah. In the back row. Yeah, in the back row. <laughs> and he preached to me. I, I, I seriously thought my, my photograph was going to come up on the big screen <laughs> because he was preaching to me. Yeah. He pinned me to that pew. And I walked out of church after one service realizing fully that my marriage wasn't broken. I was. 
That started changing. That's when David started really turning and trying to make Christ my priority. Um, In doing that, back to the night on my knees, I had been reading in Ephesians. And Ephesians 5 gives a very, very good um, set of instructions for how a husband is to treat his wife and vice versa. And I sent my wife, Christy, one verse about how I should have treated her and, and didn't. And the next morning, she texts me, and we hadn't spoken at all. Everything was text. She sent me, and she said, are you trying to freak me out? <laughs> and it turns out she couldn't sleep that night, and she went in a room, and there was a Bible laying there, and she opened the Bible just randomly to Ephesians 5. And she said, why wow. didn't you mention what I'm, how I'm supposed to treat you? And that's what started us back on the path to repair our marriage. She had, she was not raised in church, started going to church and, and was saved. The first time I saw her after she left me was she let me come watch, uh, witness her baptism. Wow. And now we're, our marriage is, is incredible. We're stronger than ever. And we're both serving Christ. What oh, story. I'm telling you, I'm telling Husbands you. love your wife as Christ loved the church. Amen. And wise honor your uh, wise honor your husband. So I guess um, you know wow. that's that was the night that everything changed, and I realized that focusing on my broken marriage was 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 ineffective. Jesus says, "Seek first the kingdom of God, mm. and all these things will be provided." Be he will take care of you if you focus on Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek, seek ye first God's way of doing and being. Yes. And if that's your first priority, then everything else will line up eventually. Now, nowhere in there does he promise unicorns and butterflies no, and rainbows. That's right. But he does promise that your life is going to be better. And it has been. Matthew 633. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I really do. Um, part of the Sermon on the Mount, actually. They're the it is. Best, greatest sermon ever preached, in my view. Uh, so so your life begins to turn around, and, and, and you... And you um, Go back to Bible school. I and, went to I went back to college, back got to my co- degree in Bible. Okay. After I retired in 2015, he kind of smacked me again. The back of my head's getting kind of sore. By the way. <laughs> and uh, I went to seminary. Yeah. And so I went to Temple Baptist Seminary because obviously you felt some sort of call to some kind of ministry. You would probably absolutely. Would, yeah. Okay. I, I have absolutely been called to ministry. Uh, my call, in my opinion, God has called me to Samaria. Okay. And that comes out of Acts 1-8, you know, go be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Samaria, to me, is a people group. It's it's the people that are less fortunate. So that's where I've been called. And you know, Samaria in the Bible, the Jews hated the Samaritans. Hated them. Uh, They were half-breeds. Uh, they just, I mean, it was just, they, they, they'd intermarried, as I understand it, with, with a, a group that had invaded there and right. they'd married, married together and, and they just didn't, uh, didn't see eye to eye at all. So, and, and so that's where you believe your ministry is focused on. Yes. Yes. The, the people that other people, that a lot of people, uh, don't particularly want to be around. That's yours. That's mine. And that calling, that decision, that calling to go back to seminary, go back to Bible school has led you uh, to direct what is known as the care center. Uh, a lot of people listening probably know what that is, but when we come back, David, I want to talk more about the care center, about the service it provides in this community and the people community about your role in it. 
and about your continuing to go forward with the Lord, because you know God's always advancing. Oh yes, He's absolutely. always advancing, and consequently, if we're following Him, we're always advancing. I can't wait to see what He's going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> David Dukes is my guest today. So happy to have David with us. We're glad you're with us. Back with more in just a moment. Glad you're with us on the chat. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. Very happy to be visiting with my long-time friend, David Dukes, and hearing his life story and, and how God redirected his life. And, and David, after you, after you went to seminary, feeling a calling uh, on your life to, to ministry, at this point in time, and I know we're all called to be ministers of reconciliation, and we're all ministers in one degree, but you are a director now of the Care Center which is supported by a number of churches in the community. It's housed on the campus of Stephen Street Baptist. But talk about who supports that ministry and a little bit about what you do and how you do it there. Be glad to. Um, the Care Center is is on the campus of Stephen Street. It's, it's 406 Short Street. Uh, it was first, uh, it first came to being probably in 19, 1992, I believe. And it was a Stephen Street Baptist church church. Uh, uh, ministry. Four other churches have come on board now and, and are supporting us financially and, and with volunteers. Uh, the River, First Baptist, Washington Avenue, and Poplar Grove Baptist. And so those five churches uh, support us financially, and it's a ministry. It's not a food pantry. It's a ministry that our number one priority is Christ. Um, we don't force Christ. We don't force you to sit down and listen to anything, but we offer it. You know, you and I both know that that we cannot save anyone. No. We don't have that. How dare us <laughs> even think we could save someone. And when I see people um, that have the best intentions, but, you know, Dwight, if I can just get you to say this prayer, yeah, you know, you'll be saved. Or That's not the way it works. And so we offer the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do that in the form of a sermon before we start each day. And you can come listen to that or you don't have to. We also uh, counsel everyone that comes in for help. And, and it's a Christian counseling. You know, we talk to you about your life, what got you in this, in this position. And, and off, you know, obviously we offer Jesus Christ sure. as a solution. Um, he tells us in Romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for good for those who are called. And and we know that if they will seek Christ first, their life will just work out better. And things, my marriage was, there was no way my marriage was going to be fixed. And now looking back, all of the bad choices, bad decisions I made, when I did fully surrender, absolutely came together through, the, through God's grace and wisdom and will, and my marriage is stronger than ever, but our testimony. Oh, yeah. I can stand up and, and people can relate to me. Men can relate to me that think I've committed the ultimate. My life will never be okay. My life will never be the same. And I'm standing up to tell them that if they will turn to Christ, they can't imagine like I said, I cannot wait to see what happens sure. tomorrow yeah. because he, he's showing out in my life. Now, you know, and, and you, you say a couple of things there that really leap out to me. Number one, uh, God loves us too much not to give us a choice in terms of receiving him. Or in terms yes. of, he doesn't 
force anybody to go to heaven. He doesn't send anybody to hell. You know, he lets us, but he honors the choice we make on this on, on this life. And secondly, and I've totally been there and done that. What we have to, and I, I minister, and, maybe, and probably you have too, ministered in some jails in the area. And one of the things I say to those inmates is, if you don't hear me say anything else, is that you are very, very important to God. And God loves you, and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. You can't do anything to make him love you anymore, any less he just does. And and his mercy is fresh every single day. Every and day. thank God for his mercy. Amen. You know, where would any of us be without his mercy? And we've all been in that boat. You know, God spoke to me uh, probably about a year ago or so. And and out of that little lesson that he taught me during this little uh, moment, yeah. Um, the logo for the care center was was visualized, and the motto for the care center was visualized. I was reading; it's a little known verse in the Bible. It's John three sixteen. You may you may have just skipped Seems over. Like it. I've heard of that, yeah. But, but it begins, <laughs> "For God so loved the world." And I'm reading this, yeah. just during my daily reading. For God so loved the world, He gave. And God just stopped me. I said, "Go back and read that again." For God so loved the world, He gave. He, no, go back and read it again. For God so loved the world, period. Yeah. That's me and you. Yeah. That's not dirt and trees. No. That's me and you. Yeah. And God kind of, and I don't, I don't hear his voice. I mean, I don't want anybody to think that, you know, I hear the, but, but he, I know it, I'm not smart enough to come up with this. That's him <laughs> talking to me. You don't hear it audibly, but in your heart. But in my heart. Yeah. And he said, David, when did I quit loving you? Well, I don't guess you did. <laughs> he said, then why do you sit around? thinking, you know, come on, Dwight, yeah. you mess up and I'm going to sentence you to, to a life, yeah. to eternity in hell. He loves me as much today oh, yeah. as he did the day he sent Jesus Christ to die for my sin. Yeah. And so he gave me this vision of God's love flowing to me like water through a fire hose. And excuse me, it either comes, it either spurts out of my mouth and is wasted because I can't hold it. Yeah. Or yeah. it flows through me. Yeah. To you. Mm. Through you to someone else. And so the the motto of the care center is God's love flowing to us, through us, to others. That is so good. And that's what we try to do. Yeah. We love everybody that walks in the door. Um you know, I was talking to a group yesterday about just when you grab someone like that and just hug them. Yeah. Because you love them. Yeah. And, they and they're a it. human being. And that's, you know, that's, that's the love of God. That's, that's an, that's agape. That's unconditional yes, because we're given a measure. The Bible says part of the fruit of our recreated spirit is the first component named is love. So God puts that kind of love in our hearts and our role is to extend it to other people. That's what we don't, we're not, we're blessed to be a blessing. Simple as that. Yeah. But we don't. Yeah, we allow the world, we allow Satan, we allow all the trouble and tri- tribulation and all the things to cloud us where we don't just boil it down to that essence and love other people. And so, in essence, in terms of your role at the care center, you, you do provide, as I understand it, food. Absolutely, you, you provide. But but the, but the primary mission is to let them know that they are loved. Am I right about that? That's that's exactly it. And, and, you know, it, James talks about, you know, if your brother or sister's without food and, and you say, well, I hope you find something to eat, what good have you done? You yeah. <laughs> so we provide food and clothing and some financial help, uh, and we provide Jesus. And it's open what, uh, what, what weekly? We're open Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 12 to 2. Yeah. 
And so if you need those services, if you need to be there, they're available. Absolutely. Available. David, this has been so good, buddy. I've enjoyed every I've minute. Just, it's just been rich. I've, you've given me goosebumps just uh, just visiting with you again. And thank you for your longtime friendship. And uh, I'm just grateful that we're brothers in the Lord. I'm grateful as well. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk about Jesus. David Dukes has been my guest today and so happy to have him with us. Glad that you could be with us. Join us same time next week for The Chat.